Atlantic with Abraham Lincoln. Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. everyone welcome to episode 255 of the all get here podcast i'll be your host today patrick and joining me today are my two clogged up co-hosts it's jubilation jojo i, I wanted to say wednesday but it's thursday sorry it's wenzel it's wenzel and joe and pat and you know we just have a three-way banner session for you this afternoon having a good time uh keeping it easy ah oh, don't say don't say three-way yeah, I was just like, why Why are we putting it in those terms? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean... But uh, we're just uh, keeping it easy today, just having a banner session. We're going over what we've been doing in our lives, what's been on our minds, you know, something you're all familiar with. Definitely, it's been a week uh, with a lot of experiences that we've just been needing to get off our chest. Uh, it's one, one thing or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our struggles, our joys, and our experiences coming at you in Real stereo, time. I hope. Good deal. So what's been going on with my two lovely co-hosts this week? Honestly, just work and watching some movies and sleep. I literally just woke up about uh, 20-ish minutes ago. So Nice. Awake, alive, and alert. Yeah, there, there's going to be one thing that me and Pat are going to get into that well, that'll definitely get you uh, <laughs> stirred up. Uh, it was something. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've heard vague mutterings about whatever this uh, may be. For me, it's been also sleep and work, quote unquote. Not work, work, but like I mean, it's work because I'm having to wake up early and draw, and then stop and then go to sleep um that's that's been my week uh and i played a little bit of elden ring hell yeah hell yeah so it's so fucking good guys <laughs> it's so good and it's so funny because before we got uh before me and colt were done for the night he was like you know every time i think we're getting close to finishing we're barely even halfway through <laughs> and let me tell you yeah, we're barely halfway through. We're not even... I don't even think we're halfway through. Jesus fucking Christ. But it's fun, and it's good. Uh, as people online are playing Elden Ring, I'm starting to get, like, little, like, no-context glimpses into sort of the, the middle and later game portions of Elden Ring, and it gets very surreal, and, like, some of the character designs and with the bosses and the environment, it's like, wow, they're going way off the grid with uh, with this game. Yeah, no, um, I I haven't been spoiled for, like, later game stuff, luckily, but, like, I hear the same thing. It's batshit crazy, and let me tell you, one of the bosses me and Colt just fought is actually probably one of my favorite boss designs, like, ever, because it starts out pretty simple, and I'm like, this is a cool-looking boss, like, um, 
spoiler uh ish uh it's the god devouring serpent okay it's it's super cool you know i like a good serpent design and this is probably one of my favorites i want to say like i don't know like if anybody ever has had that but like sometimes there's like a serpent in like a media or something that's just like oh you know but and but like this i don't know why i'm just like this is a really good fucking serpent design that's like my thing i don't know what it is i just i love that but then there's a second phase to the boss fight where it goes in fucking sane and has a crazy ass cutscene. And let me tell you, it was awesome. Um, yeah, so anybody listening, if you haven't fought the God Devouring Serpent, go fight that. Have a good time. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it is uh, interesting looking. <laughs> Whenever me and Colt were fighting that, we were like, we were sitting there and we were like, oh man, you know, that was not too bad. It was pretty good. But then it goes into a cutscene and Colt's like, oh fuck. <laughs> and it escalates and I'm just like, oh my god. Oh, oh, it's so good. I do I do think it would be fun for the art house to play Elder Ring together. I know we would spend probably a whole night just making our character look as gonky as possible. Because, like, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm living for all the weird, fucked up little critters people are making the, their characters out to be. Like, I just want the Chow Garden from Sonic Adventure 2, but just for gross, haunted men. <laughs> like, give me a Tamagotchi with a little, like, prison-headed fucker from Elden Ring. That's what I want. Like, I don't need all this exploration bullshit. I just want, like, a weird, creepy dude to play with. <laughs> Don't isolate that Damn. audio. <laughs> That's funny. Cut it, cut yeah. it, cut it down. Uh, yeah, no, you can make some crazy shit. I mean, I, I still, you know, of course you still see it. Um, and then the, also just the, basically the, like, it's so good because um, now I, it's sad because I, I don't think I was ever in this era, maybe, but with Elden Ring out now, people are, like, basically doing their, like, drip check or fashion show where they'll basically just fucking show off what they're wearing currently. And there's there's some good clothes, and there's some items, some wearable, like, helmets and masks or whatever you want to say that are just, like, I'm trying to think of the right word. Bad. Psychotic. <laughs> Like not not bad, just really really dark. Um, and I don't know how to explain this without like giving away some stuff, so I won't. But um, I will say this: it's like wearing um, it's basically like you're cutting off somebody's fucking face. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like it it's some real it's some real like messed up shit, and it's so good. It's been a good time, and uh, they actually released uh, an update, a patch recently, that sadly did some stuff that I'm not happy with. Um, a, they one of my favorite weapons, they fucking nerfed it, so now it does less damage, and I have no freaking reason to use it anymore, um, which is stupid. And then they also nerfed one of the bosses that took me so freaking long to fight, because apparently... You can only if you're gonna help somebody, you can only help that person with their fight. They cannot help you with your fight. So, spoiler: it's Star Scourge Radan. He fucking sucks. Oh, I've um, I've heard I, legends. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about this like Radan character. And it's like they all been struggling with this dude, whoever he is. 
dude, he is so freaking hard, and that's because, like, basically, you have to run to fight him, and while you're running, he is taking pot shots at you, and it's so stupid, but it's cool because you can summon people, like, you can summon NPCs. There's actually a really good bit, this is also kind of a spoiler, but I want to say it because it's so fucking funny. There's a bit where there's an NPC, Patches, if anybody's played Soulsborne in the game, you know who Patches is. You can summon him, and as soon as you summon him, he literally fucking leaves. <laughs> he just like, bye. Yeah, no, he like he'll come in, walk, and then he'll just disappear, and it'll be like Patches has returned to his world. <laughs> it's it's such a good bit because if you know the character, you know why um, he does that. But yeah, it's um, it was so stupid, and I helped Colt, and he couldn't help me, so I spent like thirty minutes trying to kill him because um, there's this bullshit attack that he has where it's a homing attack, you can't dodge it, and every time it's instant kill. So like the only way to get past it is to literally hit him so fast don't let him use it basically you have to kill him before he he can attack or like basically like interrupt his attack before he can use it well you can't interrupt him because he'll do it no matter what like he he doesn't have much poise or much or he has poise uh, it's where he can't be like knocked down basically he can be but it takes a lot awesome boss design i should say as well pretty cool pretty cool fight in general it's just that whole shtick is bullshit but they nerfed him they nerfed him in the patch and it's so stupid because now nobody will know the absolute hell that you have to go through to fight him it's like all us day oneers we know what it took you don't know our scars man yeah no uh trevor henderson that that really good artist he was like um he said he's going to start, or he made a tweet about wearing a button that says, I fought Redan in the pre-nerf. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, there's going to be plenty of like dick stroking by players. Like, oh, I fought him before the nerf. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, you add that with like all the past games, but like with different things. But yeah, no, it's been a... um. Oh, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. I love sinking my teeth into it. It's really like all I can, all I do now. I'm trying to do other things, but I can't. Um, well, this week I should say this week I. Um, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I. Ha- but like uh, this week's been pretty busy because this Saturday. By the time this comes out, this would have already happened, and hopefully, I sold out of every- everything. I made big bucks, you know, dripping in money. Obviously, money. on Saturday, March 19th, Wenzel is at the comic strip selling his art. Yeah, uh, Justin was kind enough to host me. He kind of forced it on me last <laughs> second. Um, <laughs> no, no, he he said, why don't you come by? And I was like, yeah. And I mean, I could have said no, but I said yes. So, um, yeah, this Saturday, um, I, I sold my art uh, this week. I've been prepping for it because I, I've, I've, um, I have a binder currently of a lot of the stuff I've made. And I mean, you know, I want some new stuff. Uh, so I, I, that's what I set out to do. I've been waking up like, so starting sun Monday, sorry, starting Monday, I've woken up at like three in the morning and I have been, I will just be awake until like three, Two or three in the afternoon, so eleven or twelve hours, and I'll just be drawing. I'll take breaks, but uh, I'll just be drawing, and it's it's like it's like actually like a job. Which, to be fair, you know, uh, if you if you make art for a living, it is work no matter what. So, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been I've been making uh, 
stuff to make prints and I did that yesterday where I took two of my larger drawings and I made prints out of them. I was going to make some other stuff, but I couldn't. So yeah, actually when I went in there, uh, I saw Jojo working. I even waved at Jojo, but they, uh, made it, they made it out of their way to not look at me. <laughs> the thing is, is when you looked away is when I saw you and waved, but you didn't see me. Oh my God. <laughs> it's some Damn bad it. timing. In bad timing. Cause I was, I, cause I, I looked over and I was like that it, cause you were kind of far away. I'm like, that's an oddly Wenzel shaped figure over there. <laughs> And then it's like, yeah, that's Winslow. I'm like, hey. So it's funny that we yeah. literally did the same thing to each other. And uh, Winslow actually DM'd me earlier in the week about prep for the art show because I've been saw my art, you know, for the last few years. And then, like, literally the day, I was like, okay, what's going to be in? I'm going to help him out. It's going to be rad. And then, like, earlier that afternoon, I called, I left work early. Because my allergies were so goddamn bad, I thought I had COVID. I went to get tested. And then he texted me that he was already there getting it taken care of. I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> we all just missed each other by incredible happenstance. That's insane. I, yeah. Uh, man, that's kind uh, of, that's kind of makes me sad now. Um, because, like, I was like, yeah. I, I was like, when I got in there, I was like, man, I'm ready to see jojo see pat you know they're probably working so i won't you know i won't do too much or anything like that but it's like no i just got a bunch of <laughs> no offense old people um <laughs> in there so uh it, it's funny though because like jojo was walking directly towards me but it was obviously to get something they were like i don't know what they were doing they're like cutting or something and i like yeah. did a very like heavy wave and i, it, I was like they didn't. They just turned around and walked away, and I'm like, "Damn, that wow, makes me so sad." Where the fuck is Pat? Does it just like have like their hand to their face? It's like I don't know this person. <laughs> no, like they they made a joke about it at work because I like when I was I'm just getting the zone and I'm just like I'm going and I'm just only focused. On, but I did I did like wave at you, but I didn't see you wave at me. Yeah, yeah, no. And so. I'm sure somebody was like, that fellow was waving at you, Joe. Did you just ignore him? No, I... <laughs> no, I did it. Actually, I did it at the time when no everybody had their backs turned. So it was like, it was like secret. <laughs> it's super secret friendship. Super secret, Su super secret friends. <laughs> so secret, we have to keep the kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, kayfabe. We don't know each We only, we only know each other on the cast. And then honestly, though, I was I was mentioning Pat because I was hoping like, man, Pat's just going to walk up and just be like, oh, that's Wenzel. It's like that's the local Wenzel in Tuscaloosa. Your friendly like, neighborhood Wenzel. Like you need like, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I. um, Yeah, I, I was I was hoping to see everybody there, but that didn't happen. So I got my prints made was kind of sad. Yeah, they turned out good. Um, it just one of them had like muted muted colors a little bit, but honestly, it doesn't look bad. It actually I kind of like it. So there's that. I just hope nobody gets on to me about like, well, why are you selling this if the colors are different? Like, bro, I just I don't work here. <laughs> People need to understand there's there's not always going to be someone inside the biz can tell you there's just not always going to be a one-to-one -one translation of color especially if it's like a scan of an image like a, a physical image to a, uh, a, a digital property and then into a 
reprinting that onto a physical property. There's going to be a little loss in translation. It's just always trying to, you know, minimize that the best you can. Yeah, no, I, um, it was something really interesting to learn about, like, you know, like, when you're making, uh, like, prints of, like, um, digital stuff, you know, if you have it, if you have it set to CYMK, of course, you can probably get closer or exactly to what it looks like because that's made to be printed or if it's RGB, then it, you know, it's different. Yeah. Um, that's not made to be printed obviously. And then if you're doing like a physical drawing, then it's not set to either of those. So you're having to, you know, really try to get as close as possible. Yeah. So completely understandable. That's why I'm not a, I, I don't know. I didn't make a fuss about it. And I won't because I, I I was actually happy, um. But I will say one of my one of my prints actually came out with like a huge cut in it, so I can't sell it. A huge cut in it. Yeah. Um. See, I was gonna, I was gonna be there. I was gonna be in person, but then Colt was like, "Oh, my back's hurting," and I'm like, "Well, I need to save gas anyway." So I was gonna show you it. I was gonna show everybody my prints and stuff because I was excited. Um, but like, there's like a cut, like just cut. It's, a, it's just so it, it's a cut. Basically it doesn't go all the way through. It just goes in the head of the dragon. And, um, and yeah, it just, it looks, looks really messes it up. But again, I'm not upset or anything. I, it was just, um, I didn't see it till I got home. So again, but yeah, by the time this comes out, it, we already would have had the art show, but which, I mean, I'm sure it was a great time. I'm sure I made a ton of money. And I'm sure... So much I'm money. I'm sure I didn't walk into the uh, comic strip, knock over Wenzel's table, and say, welcome to the business, bitch, and walk out. Yeah. I totally didn't get a reality check. Yeah, the thing is about the art community that a lot of people don't know, you kind of have to be, like, beat in. So you just, you just get your table... You have to be jumped in to get into <laughs> the art community. And yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, I just take... I just be like, you know what? Nah, <laughs> I don't like getting hit. It's, it's either you get hit or we flip your table. <laughs> but, you know, it's worth it, JoJo. It's worth it because you get to make incredible art and sell it and, you know, people get to have it. And it's cool. I mean, yeah, there that definitely is, is a, a a really cool feeling when someone says, oh, like, they like your stuff. And, oh, I still have uh, the print I bought. I mean, there's a fella they came into the um, comic strip the other day when I was hanging out with Shimmy, and he said, oh, I still have your print of Cosmic Ghost Rider, and uh, my dad really liked it. He's going to frame it and put it in his office. I was like, that's always really cool to to hear. Oh, yeah, that's really yeah, that's really cool. I, I mean, I still have, of all the artists I bought prints from, I still have them. I just really want to get frames, so I make sure to, um, I actually keep them all in, in a place that will, like, never be touched by either light or by anything, like, wet, so they're safe forever. Um, but, like, that's always my, my goal is to get them framed and stuff. So they'll never be damaged completely. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's sick. And, uh, and I mean, that, like, really, like, you know, being jumped, being beaten pays <laughs> off um, Hey, in that respect. Yeah. Six, six years some... in the independent art biz, I have my scars. Something, something, metaphor for capitalism, something, something. Something, something. Uh, transform something something transforming your passion something something into a never-ending grind of content something something uh burnout something 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 yep 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 
All right, you guys are getting too real right now. All right, let's calm down, okay? Uh, we got to come back to non-reality. I know what would make us feel better and break the tension if we had a live Pokemon card on unpacking. All right. Let's yeah, 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 yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause Shimmy, cause <laughs> since Shimmy recently started selling Pokemon cards, you know, those things that come blew up so bad that, that Barnes & Noble's and Target, we had to keep these under lock and key, one per customer, arm guards out front, and Shimmy uh, got got a new box. And this is from the Pokemon Sword and Shield Chilling Rain expansion. It has uh, Ice Rider Calyrex on the front, that uh, Calyrex being a Pokemon that's introduced in Sword and Shield as like a legendary. And then uh, he's riding Glastrier, which is a ice horse, and Calyrex is being like this. He looks kind of like a sock monkey, if he was if he was a deer and had a gigantic like berry sitting on top of his head. That's that's kind of exactly what he looks like. <laughs> that's a very apt description. So I'm gonna open this new pack and uh, get you that sweet packet ASMR. Ooh, I'm biting nice my lip. Crisp. Mm. All right. Mm, Let's nice. see what you got, Pat. All right, the first uh, Pokemon is a Porygon. Ooh, okay, kind of. And, I, and I'll send a picture for Wenzel. Oh, we have a Grookey. Oh, hey. all right, okay, okay. That being the uh, one of the starters for Sword and Shield, a Grass Monkey. Uh, we have a Mareep, a little electric sheep. Yes, Marie. we have a Rock Ruff, is a little uh, rock puppy. Okay, all right. We have a Swirlix as a little cotton candy creature. Okay, there's uh, there's a lot of cute in this stack. Uh, we have a reverse holographic trainer card, Peony, uh, one of the characters in the Sword and Shield expansion. Okay. The Crown Tundra. Ooh, one of my favorite Pokemon, uh, a Kecleon. Nice, nice, okay. Kecleon. Awesome. Uh, fighting Energy, a training card, trainer card called Welcoming Lantern. Okay. A Drizzile, which is the second evolution of the water starter in Sword and Shield. Okay. A uh, a trainer card called Rugged Helmet. It feels like a Viking helmet with, with like blue spiky horns. Okay. And I guess that's all. I guess Peony was my rare in that one. All right, all right, not bad. I I can't or, see no, him. No, back. Uh, I think Peony was my quote holographic, and Kecleon was my rare. Ah, uh, yeah. Because that's definitely the most right. like involved art with a lot of little different Kecleons on it a lot of different colors you know I've been saying and so is Tanner I believe that Justin needs to sell cards and you know he finally gave in to peer pressure and I'm and what I thought was so funny that he was just like like upset that people weren't beating down his door to, like the day he posted about it on Twitter it's like give it a second people are gonna buy your cards dude <laughs> goddamn capitalists got him mm-mm-mm Needs to start selling um, baseball cards. Like, who... I, I want to meet, like, n new baseball card collectors and just ask them what got them into baseball card collecting. And I'm not talking about these boomers who've been doing it for, like, 60-plus years. Uh, I'm talking about the motherfuckers, like, younger than us, like, Generation Alpha, who were just like, you know what I'm doing? Baseball cards. Well, hello, Jojo. My name is Wenzel, and I collect baseball cards. What? Because, uh... 
Mind blown. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Funnily enough, we were actually making um, baseball cards at work today for the um, Crampton Tide uh, baseball team. Oh, roll tide, I guess. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we're making actual uh, uh, baseball cards for them. You can make stuff that small? Yeah, they do like business cards okay. and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Also, Winslow, I put the Pokemon cards in the in the chat. And also, Shimmy gave me a bonus card of Choodle. Oh, that, that's a cute. Oh, nice. That's a cute little turd. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a little kind of angry little turtle with a orange spike in his head and a big buck tooth. Yeah, he turns... Um, he turns into a snapping turtle. Like I can't remember. His yeah, name. Uh, the, the the water gym leader in that game. That's like her signature Pokemon. Yeah. Um, yeah, Peony. I remember Peony now. He was pretty fun. He was pretty cool. Uh, so, so yeah, that um, was our live Pokemon I unpacking. Uh, give us peas in chat if you want us to see more Pokemon unpacking on the air. Pee 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 pee. Uh oh, I'm getting a lot of pee pees in chat. Pee pee. Oh, um, just a quick thought, too. Uh, so today, uh, as we're recording this, it's March 17th. It's Thursday, and um, Char- uh, Second and Charles opened in Tuscaloosa today, and um, I went to it, and it was a jarring experience. And jarring in the sense that, like, I don't have to drive now an hour out to go to Second and Charles now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I imagine it's quite smaller than oh, the one in Hoover. It, it is. But, like, at the same time, like, I would rather just literally, shit, we could fucking walk there. Yeah, if, if we're, we if we're to. <laughs> determined enough. Yeah, like, I'd rather take a 10-minute drive than a 50-minute drive, even if, even if there's less in it. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, Second and Charles in Hoover is still good, I bet. But now, like, that there's one Tuscaloosa officially, hell, I mean, yeah, there's no reason to go there now. And, um... I, walking in there, it was um, it was very busy, obviously, and um, not too bad though. Actually, I, I was actually able to find a parking space, but um, no, I go in there, and then the woman, I, I think the manager, immediately says, um, "Happy St. Patrick's Day," and I don't know, ha- like beyond you guys, like human interaction for me has just not clicked or evolved your social interaction muscle would just completely atrophied no for real because i stopped and it felt like a lifetime passed by before i replied um but like i finally like i finally just like kind of i don't know if i gave a sigh but it felt like i gave a sigh i was like you know happy saint patrick's day that's what i said (laughs) (laughs) like like you're just so resigned like because I because in that moment I was like fuck what'd she say and then I was like oh it's St Patrick's Day I was like yeah I guess it is that day I guess I should say that and then that's when I finally said yeah happy St Patrick's Day like all right I mean she was very nice and you know I was like thank you so but yeah uh, walking around it was just um I'm always curious I've been curious about this because like I'm like how the fuck do they stock this because it's second and Charles so a lot of stuff is second hand except for their manga most of their manga is like new because um because if you don't know second and Charles is owned by the same company that owns books a million so like any books a million that like goes out of business or whatever they get their stuff so like their pops i i know for a fact because their pops will be um they'll have the books a million sticker but they'll slap the second and charles sticker on it and um i just think it's funny and i assume 
that like that's what they do. They they either put overstock into second trials or because I know because I know from talking to the employees at the one in Hoover that I they probably like take like some of their stuff from from another location because Hoover from what I've talked to the employees is like they have like so much stuff like they actually had to put like a not a ban but they basically said like hey we're not buying these certain things anymore because we just have too much of it I assume that's how they do that um but again since it's like brand new you know a lot of their stuff is like okay not bad um their manga mostly new but here's the thing Barnes and Noble they'll sometimes they'll have a series and like they'll have like the first few volumes and that's it at second and Charles for some reason they'll have like the entire almost the entire series there and like I don't know I just think I think that's great um so that's like a plus and um you know like like Jojo said it's probably smaller it is smaller and um you know it's nice and I can't wait to see the stuff that they get in because that's probably going to take up a lot of traffic from the second and Charles and Hoover and um there was even a point where the woman on the intercom was like uh because they do this thing where like if you text for you before it was Hoover if you text Hoover to this number you get a 10% coupon and as she was talking she said if you text Hoover and she's like no 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 I mean if you text Tuscaloosa then you'll get 10% off everybody in the store audibly fucking laughed (laughs) like because it was like it was like yeah we don't have to go to you know this isn't hoover so yeah you, you had to travel 15 minutes out of your way to use a coupon <clears throat> that'd be some shit but yeah I, i'm really looking forward to checking out the new spot you know having you know mars noble and then second and charles right you know just down the road from it to be like you know two places i can hit up for you know new books and and a new manga and have you know a, a, a pretty reasonable assurance that they, they'll have different stuff yeah for sure, but um, that's been my week so far. Uh, what about you guys? Sorry, I've talked a lot. It, the, the week's been a little tricky. Uh, we everybody's been beset with just like terrible, monstrous allergies. Like I felt for like three days, I was just a homunculus of like mucus and snot. And then uh, yeah. finally, it's, it's knock on wood, coming around the other band. But well, I think the biggest thing that Joe and I experienced this week, and we, and, and it's been. Uh, dealing with the repercussions ever since uh, was that Sunday night we just Joe myself Liz and Can decided to have a little family function a little family movie night and watch the hit new Netflix original movie Medea Homecoming yeah you know I was um I was questioning your san all of your sanities all of your taste whatever. I saw that you guys got together to watch this. I was like, "What the fuck is going on at the art house?" Because because we, uh, oh, we like pain, and <laughs> I, I I will say, going into the movie was not expecting much. Uh, came out feeling really gross, like I needed a shower. <laughs> like this, this. I mean, we'll, we will have to just get into it because. Because we saw, we saw the trailer for it, and it's like, you know what? Uh, you know, these are always wacky. Why not give it a shot? And I, I'll preface this. Like, I don't regret watching it because it has led to one of the most memorable moments in this house of us watching a movie. Because I'm not going to lie. We probably actually screamed for the majority of this movie at just different points and for different reasons. 
because, like, you know, Tyler Perry's known to get a little crazy going off and do some just bonkers shit in his movie. But whatever you thought could happen in a movie called A Medea Homecoming, you would be dead fucking wrong. Because, like, if Night Shyamalan was shaking at the fucking twists in this movie... And there were multiple. This this movie was a roller coaster. And, and like, I thought the movie that what that ended with Janet Jackson running her her ex-husband out into the freeway getting him killed and then at his funeral she meeting Dwayne the Rock Johnson and he he's like what's up and and, and Janet Jackson's just like what uh, that is the end of a movie that Tyler Perry made I don't remember which one yeah that that's an actual end of a Tyler Perry movie I thought that was sort of the peak of Tyler Perry. It's <laughs> bullshittery. No. 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 I mean, we just have to get into it. Because, like, the first hour, it's like a pretty benign, benign, like, movie where there's just, like, a lot of, you know, Tyler Perry bringing up these little bits about, you know, contemporary culture in a kind of, like, boomerish way, like, all these, like, current talking points. A lot of the points are specifically involving black culture and black community, but they're handled and reacted to in a way like a white boomer person would. It was almost like Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens were the co-writers of this movie at points. Because they brought up, like, you know, the BLM movement, the BLM protests, you know, defunding police, ACAB, but it's all done in just a, like a way it's like, really dude? Like, this is this is the stance you're taking on this? But great, I guess mercifully, no one talks in these points for any length of time. It's sort of brought up and then just thrown away. Yeah, because there's a lot that's being said in this movie and nothing that's being said. Because like, I feel like there's no real script because like everything in the movie feels ad-libbed in the worst way. Like, Medea and the other like cartoon characters are just talking at length, but it's just like none of it is meaningful, just like wacky shit. And a couple of the ancillary characters get like a, a couple words in, and then we're on to the next like extremely long scene. Yeah, it's every scene goes on for way too long. No one feels human. Everyone is a caricature, and everyone's a stereotype. Because, like, the, the impetus of the movie is based around one of the... I don't know how, what the Medea family tree looks like. It's all convoluted, and I don't think there's any sort of internal continuity. But anyhow... I think it honestly is different movie to movie. Yeah, like, you know, if there's a Medea historian out there, our DMs are open, I guess. <laughs> I, I, don't, no. I don't know if I want that, Pat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want the Medea files? <laughs> no, I really don't. Uh, but anyhow, what sets what sets the thing in motion is that there is a young uh, young man coming home uh, from college, and he's bringing his friend with him, and uh, he's he's a, he's a somehow related to Medea, and he's like, I'm gonna come home for uh, my graduation and meet everybody, and you know, basically his friend is like really like hinting at him like maybe you should come out to your family it's like well dude you can't just make me come out it has to be my choice you know 
Like he's kind of, you know, the the main, the, I guess what you would think would be the main character because his his story drives the plot for a a point for maybe fifteen minutes, and then it becomes about literally everybody else. Yeah, uh, but basically, like this this poor guy, you know, he's gonna graduate college, top of his class, and he's like he's very trepidatious about. Uh, coming out to his family and bringing his friend with them to meet everybody else. So, and, and basically, the gay, uh, gay grandson of Medea, he, he's valedictorian of his class. He's given this speech uh, for the graduation. On top of this, the the gay the gay man's mother has recently just got out of a very nasty divorce and. But, you know, she's kind of acting cool about it. Like, you know, you can tell she's moved on. Yeah. And and the way the the scene is shot, they almost, they set it up for two gay subplots. Because the mother comes in with her friend, this very attractive lady who's like her divorce lawyer counselor, who's been helping her through... This very rocky divorce, and it's like she's been, she's very pleased, and like you know she's very you know close with her 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 gal pal. Yeah, and I think they even make like a gal pal type of joke. Like the is like man, nothing better for a woman than a good girlfriend. It, it felt like it was being laid on thick. And then like you know like, there's two gay subplots. Within- Spoiler alert! No, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, there's just all this beating around the bush of, like, the gay son and his friend, his roommate, you know, how, like, there's other lightnings, like, oh, like, they're a couple, and he's, like, because uh, the cause the, uh, the roommate, his friend, he's uh, he's half black, half white, and he's and his white family is Dutch, or Dutch-Irish, or something. Yeah. Irish, because um his family is coming in from Ireland, to go watch the graduation too. And so like you have like this Irish family members coming in to hang out with all the Medea family. And like part of the gag is his grandmother is also a man and drag type character called Mrs. Brown. Apparently she has a whole line of content on her own out outside of this movie. If I read this right when terms of people talking about it. So like, there's obviously like a lot of like easy hacky jokes about you know this this weird white woman hanging out with like this this eccentric black family, and then there's a protracted scene at a Red Lobster <laughs> where there's just like shit and bits happening for and, so and, long at and, this Red Lobster. Like, and, and I know to Wenzel and to the rest of the audience, this is sounding absolute gibberish it sounds insane and that's because it is the the movie at at a certain (laughs) point turns into an ad for red lobster i mean literally because like there's points where the where the waiters bring the food to the families whereas they do that they hold on a shot of this sumptuous plate of food from red lobster they do that like a couple of times it's like this this movie was an ad for red lobster for like 20 minutes or some shit Really long. The movie's two hours, and 20 minutes of that, it's just him and a red lobster bullshitting. Yeah, and, and there's just some... While also having, like, these current-day talking points that are just completely brought up and dismissed, 
in a very like hasty and honestly kind of insulting fashion. Like, it's it, it kind of flippant in a way, like especially when a lot of these being very specific toward the black community and, and where one talking point could make up an entire theme of a, a singular movie, but it just kind of just like touched on and demit dismissed. And like Pat said, a very boomer kind of conservative way, like a more conservative liberal sort of yeah outlook. And, and it's just kind of annoying. Was it after the red lobster scene, we get the first transition in the movie or was, or was that after the, the big reveal? Quick question though. Quick question. Uh, did you guys want to eat Red Lobster after? I mean, not really. I mean, like, I don't have anything against Red Lobster. It just, it, it just think it's the most random restaurant to try to plug in the middle of a movie. Damn, Tyler Perry lost then. Fuck. It's like I, he he got the Red Lobster money. Let me tell you, God, that's probably how this movie got funded. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix and Red Lobster <laughs> joint production of Idea Homecoming. Probably. I think before. One, we go to break, but also, before we continue with what what constitutes a plot, we got to talk about the editing in this movie. So bad. Most, like, Tyler Perry, especially Medea movies, have, it, like, the sim- everything is just very flat. There, there's no, like, flash or style. It's very static. Very static, you, you know, just unassuming cinematography. Apparently, he he was just like, you know what? Let's spice this up a little. (laughs) Like Some of the most jarring, chaotic scene transitions I've ever seen in a movie. Like, I I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it, it, it basically, the shot, like, the transition between shots will be... Uh, pieces of the neck shot shifting into focus, but out of order. It basically, it's like it's it's like a a cutout assemblage picture, but like each little section like slides into place like a puzzle. I mean, you really have to see it, but it's just like what the fuck was that transition? And they do that twice, that specific type of transition. <laughs> and then there's a then there's a transition <laughs> later on in the movie after the big twist. That there's the, the 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 gay son characters out in the basketball court, and then when they go to leave the scene, he goes to he just tosses the ball to the side, and then just all these CG basketballs just bounce in the frame, and then bounce away, and then it cuts, and that how it transitions to the next scene. <laughs> what? Yeah, it, all right. it is so bad. And they and like they only get the crazy transitions in like one half of the movie. Yeah, like, the movie goes for about 30 minutes, and it's just, you know, kind of standard for what this movie is. And then, like, halfway through the movie, it's like Tyler Perry or the editor got the bug, and it's just like, I'm going to start putting this Yeah, in. we, we got to, like, you know, shift into third gear here. We'll get to the big reveal and why this movie just went flying off a cliff and just we were just screaming nonstop for a good 60 minutes after this point so we'll get back to that in all the gory detail after the jump
Welcome back, everybody. It's time to get to it. The main event of this Medea misery that Jojo and I had started. So, after the dinner, there's, there's some other bullshit that happened. Does it matter? Uh, so, basically, the gay son finally works up the nerve to come out to Medea and the rest of the extended family. And, and probably one of the few moments that's handled with some sort of grace the the gay son comes out to his family and then they're all just like oh baby we knew it's okay we love you and then just like he's sort of taking it back it's like oh wow my family accepts me for who i am it's you know it's just nice little moment and went over pretty well it's at this point that the gay son's relevance in the plot completely disappears from uh, the narrative oh yeah you thought it was about this man no no you were wrong you are very much... He, he was just a vehicle to get to where the plot needed to go, I guess. Okay. <laughs> where did the plot need to go? Because <laughs> before we get to that, before we get to the flashback, did we mention the dad? Yeah, because um, the gay son's father, his estranged father, who was sort of not, not really present in his life and just went through a bitter divorce with his mother... He's coming to the, the shindig. No one really wants him there. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, he, he's, like, very aggressive and mean. And, like, the gay son's friend, quote, is, like, strangely aggro towards him. He's just like, you ran out on him, bro. Like, what? And you think, like, well, there was a little bit of a smattering with the with the uh, the friend's plot that no, his, his own father ran out on him. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, you think you think that's it, but it still seems way too aggressive to just like bow up at somebody you never met before at someone else's family function. Yeah. So you know, the kid comes out, and it's like, all right, you know, everyone, you know, like for a Medea movie, it's handled pretty well, and then the dad's just like, I'm going to steal the fucking spotlight, and he's like. Yo, guess what? I'm getting married. And you know who it's with? Your mom's friend, the lawyer who actually helped me out during the trial and not you. Yeah, so there, there's this revelation that the, the the woman that you thought was, quote, friends. Gal pals. Gal pals with the gay son's mother is actually was secretly going around and sleeping with the man she's trying to get her friend divorced from. Yeah, so ruin any chance of a second gay romance plot, which I'm very sad. It's like, sad it wasn't more gay stuff in the movie, but also I'm a little relieved <laughs> because I do not trust Sour Perry to handle anything resembling like queer rights or queer stories at all. Yeah, and especially like, you know, black queer stories too i'm just like because there's there's a lot of weight there and there's like a lot to unpack and like honestly i don't trust him to tell any story with like the grace and dignity that it would require it, exactly so yeah I'm, so i'm just yeah. grateful that the <laughs> i'm actually i'm grateful that his story has just come to an abrupt halt yeah it comes to <laughs> abrupt halt and after this there's like escalation of events like the 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 Irish mom, she's high because she ate some of Medea's brownies or something, and, and this is the movie 
Tyler Perry must have found weed like Kevin Smith did because every other joke is a weed joke. Yeah, like just a latent live stoner, and it's all just like, really, dude? Like, but 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 the jokes are written like by someone who's never experienced weed in their life. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I think like Medea pulls a gun out on on the dad. And, you know, yeah, yeah, there's like a yeah. He she fucking pulls a shotgun in the house and blasts it when he's trying to like make friendly with her. And the thing is, is this gets dwarfed. Yeah, this not the, this won't be the last time Medea pulls a gun on somebody. It'll be exponentially <laughs> more insane. Uh, so yeah, let's just get to the get to the flashback because so, like so uh, so after all the fallout with all of that. There's sort of a downtime, you know, sort of a downtime scene, and all all the the female the female folk are in Medea's room, and Medea decides female folk to tell them a story. Yeah, because it's the um, it's the mother who's just sort of trying to unpack everything. Her son just came out, and her ex husband just like revealed that he's dating her best friend, and then the. The cop daughter is trying to console her, and Medea comes in before bed. It was like, well, I had a similar experience. You don't let you don't let your best friend and your man hang out because bad things happen. And then she goes into flashback mode. And when, which I will say before to preface this, this was the one thing I knew about the movie because I read it in a letterbox review, and I was like, what? What was that you just said? And then I put in our roommate chat, y'all, there is something in this movie that will make you shit your britches. Like, doo-doo in your pants. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, this is still not the worst thing. And what we're about to say is pretty it, fucking incredible. The audacity I'm really of sc- this man. I'm really scared right now. I don't when, know why I'm Wenzel, so scared. Wenzel, you should be. Because so, we flash back. To Montgomery, Alabama, 1955. And you see a young, thick Medea walk into... Looking up like a pinup model. Walk into this uh, black and white room. And she's like, yeah, I just came down in town to see my man I hadn't seen in a while. And my uh, my best friend Rose. I hadn't seen Rose and my man in so long. Wait, um, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> okay. Because the thing is, I had the same thought you did, Wenzel. <laughs> And I was like, they he wouldn't. Like, Tyler Perry's a lot of things. But he wouldn't do that, right? Like, he had some sort some, of... Some dignity, some restraints. Some, to, something. But so... But but it, it's going to go exactly how you think. When so you she's like, she, gets, she starts to get upset. And she's like, well, I went down to my best gal pal Rose's work, the NAACP, and then she literally destroys the NAACP office looking for her friend Rose, like knocking over a file cabinet, ripping up papers, tearing stuff off the wall, knocking people down. And it goes on for like five minutes. It's like like Medea is one person wrecking crew destroying a NAACP office in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955. And then when she can't get what she wants out of them, she does hitting the streets, hunting down Rose. And then she comes across a bus parked on the street. Uh, 
And, and, and you know, she's just like, I'm going to threaten to beat Rose's ass. And, and, and we're we're beating around the bush. It, it it's Rosa Parks, but Medea finds Rosa Parks on the bus and just like, come out here, bitch, come out here. I got words to say with you. And she pulls out a fucking Glock and points it at Rosa Parks and says, "You better get up the fuck off the bus, bitch. We got words to say." And then and then while she's doing that. In a moment of an insane anachronism, she pulls out an iPhone, takes a selfie of her threatening Rosa Parks on the bus, and then the fucking audacity that Medea started civil rights in America by threatening Rosa Parks so bad that she would not get off the bus because she was in threat of her life from Medea. All right. Like, I knew it was coming, but to see it happen, we screamed. Like they were like turtling so bad. They're like like tucking their heads in their shirts, just howling. Because everything was setting it up. As everything was being set up, I'm like 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 I said, Tyler Perry should have some restraint. Like he he knows not to do something this fucking tacky, right? <laughs> right? And, and and no, and he and, and I felt like an asshole for even having the thought. I, I was just like you know, like I'm just being judgmental. Just we'll, we'll watch this, see how it. No, <laughs> no, it 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 happened exactly <laughs> as you think it would, and with as much grace as you think it would. And I mean, and granted, like the characters in the like the the ladies listening to Medea tell the story, they're like, yeah, right, whatever. But the the fact that they just this hap this exists and in any capacity <laughs> because like, I, it, I, I'm speechless. It's just like if I feel like if Tyler Perry wasn't a black man and he made this movie, he would just be run out of Hollywood. Yeah, it it, it and, and this is like the point of the movie. I start feeling like dirty, like I'm giving this man money. Like it, uh, inadvertently by like streaming it, and like literally, like we took a break to just like take a shot, and then just like decompress from this fucking moment. And just like, <laughs> like Joe almost looked pale <laughs> when we were just taking just like shots of like uh, of like rum to just like oh god, we just witnessed that. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, Wenzel. This movie had one more shot in the barrel for us that we were not expecting. Because Winslow, like, it already knocked us out. We were down from the count. The match was over. <laughs> they, they one, done, two, three, count it out. Rung the bell. Rung the bell. We're getting up. And the movie said, nah, fuck you, bitch. Hit, hit us one more time. Back to the ground. With, with it. And it, <laughs> let's just get into it because the, the next bit just there's some there's like some bullshit where she shows the picture of her pointing the gun at Rosa Parks to her her family and you're just like oh fuck I, and they're aghast as we are but it just cuts on to some other some other bullshit blah 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 and then next day it's like a big like picnic big you know, cookout where everybody comes around you know to celebrate it's like the day before the graduation and they have everybody over everybody in the neighborhood. It's like this movie is a series of dinners, <laughs> essentially. 
But so, you know, they're grilling outside, you know, having a good time. And then the dad and his new fiance shows up. And, and the fiance being the mom's former best friend slash divor- divorce lawyer. Yeah. So he comes in. He's, you know, no one wants him there. He's just there to start shit. But the the friend of the son who's given the speech. Yeah, the, the friend of the gay son. Who the whole the movie sets you up to make it make you think like they're fucking yeah like like his he's his secret boyfriend and they they beat around the bush the whole movie like you know he doesn't want he doesn't want to like tell his secret to his family you know the Irish drag woman and and his cousin or whatever he's like he has something that he's hiding to like you like his, his gay friends like you know we can we can come out together it'll be fine you know we, you know but he just like no 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 it's not right i don't feel right but at the same time he was kind of pushing his gay friend to come out to his family it's like but anyway the friend starts bowing up on the dad and starts w- one of the worst fights put to cinema it, it is it, it was genuinely almost like a real fight where like it's people are just swinging it's not graceful it's just it, clumsy and not entertaining and it's not even really played for like actual drama it's just kind of like they didn't stage this fight at all it's there, it's there's, like there's, one take no practice well and there's no continuity with the <laughs> shots at all but like not in an artistic way but in like a I don't know what I'm doing sort of way. Yeah. But so like people are getting knocked over, but they finally get, get them separated, get them separated. And then the friend goes up to the mom and says, are you okay, babe? And you're just like, wait, what? Why did, why did the gay son's friend quote, quote, call his mother, babe? Well, honey, we got a present for you. Because wouldn't you know, the gay son's best friend that we've been led the whole movie to believe is actually his boyfriend. No, no, no. No, ma'am. The gay son's best friend is actually fucking his mother. Uh. The, 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 the boyfriend cucks the son with the mom. So, like, what? Well, you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, like, his best friend, you know, has, has been banging his mom on the secret the whole time, just like his dad was secretly banging his mother's divorce lawyer secret on the whole time. And they're just like, wait, this doesn't make a lick of sense. And then what happens for the rest of this movie's runtime is the movie bending over backwards to justify this mother's relationship with her son's best friend. Like, going out of its way to say, and just like, no, you just follow your heart. You do what you feel is right. Love is love. And then even when the son tries to, like, hey, this is a lie. I need to talk to my mom about this. This is, like, my best friend and my mother are, are fucking each other. Like, this is weird. And, and he's like, no, 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 you don't need to talk to your mom. You just you just go down. You just go to bed and worry about your speech tomorrow. And, like, actively shut him down multiple times when he tries to express any sort of feel other than just like jubilant con- congratulations for his mother fucking his best friend. All right. Tyler Perry, you did it. You made a hit. <laughs> it was just like the son got cucked and then they and then they're just like this is a good thing. You should realize. 
And, and, and they say multiple times in the movie. It's like, you can't help who you love. Which, you know, I'm once again, I'm glad I didn't try to handle a gay story other than what they did. Other than just like a blanket positive coming out. Because anything else would have been so much worse. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. You know, it it sounds, it, hmm, hmm. I don't know what to say, really. <laughs> we, we, we were just quiet after the movie ended. It was just like, what do you, what do you say to that? Because, like, because... <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, Wenzel, we've been throwing a lot at you. What's going on in that head other than just, like, sparks? Um, I've been nervously drawing because I, I wasn't ready for what you guys were going to say. And um, what came out of it was pretty cool, pretty fun. Um... So that there's that, <laughs> but <laughs> I drew I drew Arcanine. Hell Pokemon. yeah! Nice, nice. <laughs> because I have an Arcanine sticker and it's been sitting here. I don't know what to put it on, but so I drew Arcanine. Um, but beyond that, I've been thinking a lot of stuff. Like pretty cool Red Lobster ad. That Rollers of Park stuff was really. I'm still trying to like deal with that but it seems like that wasn't integral to the plot like no it's just um, it's just an extended bit that has no bearing <laughs> it's just like he just had a wicked brain fart you know what would be fucking sick if Medea held Rosa Parks at gunpoint yeah and, yeah and, and, and like a lot of the movie feels this way like there is sort of a loose plot in the sense of like everyone's getting together to meet up because the son's giving a speech all right, cool. But, like, outside of that, it's literally just bits sewn together crudely. And, and then once the, the twist happens, that's all the movie becomes. Yeah, it, it's just them trying to, like, make you think that it's okay that... Or just be fine with the fact that this mother, like, was fucking her, her son's best friend, who's, like, just a little bit older than her son, because her son's, like, 23... And, and his like best friend's 26. And just like, you know, no love is love, whatever. But, like, don't you think it's a little bit weird that literally the first day that this mother went to go see her son out in college that she ran into his roommate and they fucked the day they met? Like, because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, it, it like, way to handle a story very poorly. <laughs> um, but also, I'm, like... So, like, you know, you'll hear this when you, like, when you listen to certain conservatives and, you know, just homophobes or whatever, they'll say stuff like, oh, well, love is love, then why can't, you know, such and such be, like, with a, you know, with an animal or with a, some, got some fucked up shit. Um, and it's just like, no, that's not the same fucking thing, you psychopath. It feels like it's kind of like Tyler Perry saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, it's okay, it's okay, blah, 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 but if you're going to have this, then you need to also accept this. It's like it's like a movie version of that, basically. It, it, it kind of felt that way. I'm not going to lie. And you're you're 100% it, correct. But like, it feels like, why is this like the, the, the brow-beating point you're going to make? Yeah, when all the other points that he just kind of flippantly dismiss... Are like much more substantial and much more like worthy of like getting into. But also, too, like... I don't think Medea is the appropriate apparatus to explore these concepts. Yeah, because I sure as fuck don't want to see Medea talk talk in detail about the the nuances of Black Lives Matter and defunding the police. God, because you know the next one 
Because like the meme said, the wig called to him like Green Goblin's mask. <laughs> fucking shit. When I saw that tweet. <laughs> it's going to call to him again. And, and, That's insane. And the, 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 the wig's going to call to him. And, and you know it's going to be some like, he's going to throw in some CRT stuff in there. God. Because and, and just like some annoying like milk toast unhelpful lukewarm takes imaginable i mean we already got a threat of another media movie because like the whole gag is a sub a, one of the many just like asinine subplots is like the irish drag woman is stri- stri- striking up this like eccentric friendship with Medea over like their, her weed candies and then at the end of the movie it's like you know we, we, should get, we should get together again sometime we can do you know Medea and Miss Brown go to Europe and like just just the thought of like Medea just like bumbling across an entire continent just being the most abrasive American oaf and then like probably every hackneyed stereotype, stereotype known to man is going to be in the movie <laughs> it, it's just i you know somehow to me it that seems more offensive I don't no no no. <laughs> I'm not going there. God, it's just like, but I mean, I mean that that the whole the concept of Medea going to Europe, or or like or Medea traveling the world. Medea's European vacation. Like I could see this being like a Logan Paul situation, like when he went to Japan. I feel like it would be super just insensitive and. I'm gonna. I don't know. Like, I'm gonna say it. It'd probably be anti-Semitic. Um, It'd be anti-everything. Like, like I should like imagine the fucking shit. It's like Medea goes to the Middle East. Medea goes to Ukraine. <laughs> I was I was literally about to say Medea goes to the front lines. Jesus, it's Christ. like it's like I heard Putin was fucking up, and I'm about to fuck up right back. Like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that movie, Tower Perry. We really don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> Putin just needs. Oh no, I'm not gonna. You know, she just is, needs. He, Putin just needs some tough love. Feels like that one bitch on TikTok. It's like if if she was Putin's mother, he would have turned out a lot different. That yeah, that no, that in, like that's, fucking that's insane woman. Wait, which, okay. Side bit here. There was a bitch on TikTok who was just like trying to be like this whole like you know compassion thing. It's like if I was Putin's mother, I would have loved him in a different way. I would have listened to him, and he wouldn't become the monster that he was today. Like that kind of shit. Jojo, you didn't you didn't know this? No, I, I have not been on TikTok in about six months. Oh, I mean, no. This was like this was making like hits on Twitter. We put it in our group chat. The same. Oh, I I probably scrolled past it by accident. Same energy as um, Gal Gadot's Imagine. Like, that's that's what it felt like. But, like, this blonde hair, blue-eyed bitch. Is like, oh, I, it's like, I can fix them. Honestly, at a certain point, I thought you were talking about the vegan lady on TikTok. Y'all remember her? The vegan grandma who was, like, hella cringe uh, and kind of gross. I think I know who you're talking about. All these TikTok micro-celebrities but- just... Start to blur together after a while. Yeah. Man, I need to get back on TikTok. Yeah, I have like thousands of unread TikToks. Oh, so. same. <clears throat> but yeah, that was uh, Pat and JoJo watched uh, Medea Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, 
shockingly, it's actually our lowest rated movie of the year. It is definitely worse than Mother by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I would imagine so. Aronofsky, you did all right in comparison. You know what, Aronofsky? <laughs> you win this time, Darren. You win this fucking this, time. This time by the, the skin of your fucking teeth. <laughs> you better watch your ass. But damn, I mean, like I said, it was like, it's like you were just like completely confounded by what the fuck this was. But at the same time, we all we all enjoyed ourselves just from the sheer experience of this watch. Because it is it is something to be blindsided by what this movie throws at you. And, and we didn't even mention like you you know how like movies back in like the late nineties and early two thousands would have like outtakes in the credits. Oh, bitch! I forgot about this part. Basically, they had that, but like. Medea doing a parody of Beyonce's Homecoming movie. Like, while the credits are rolling, it, it's... Oh, it, I guess because Homecoming movie... It, it's a very poorly thought out bit. And, like, it, it's not... I mean, there's some funny bits in the movie intentionally, and there's also a lot that's unintentionally funny. But, like, it's just almost like this weirdly humorless parody... Beyonce's homecoming documentary and it's just like Medea as Beyonce and she's kind of like just doing like a shot for shot take of this movie and it's just like why is this here like it just feels so it feels so out of place in a movie that has no like congruency at all honestly this movie is the equivalent of free jazz <laughs> the worst way in the worst like and when i say it's the equivalent of free jazz not like the good free jazz like you know actually talented art I'm talking about like the people who literally just do not know what they're doing yeah it's like it's just improvisation done by talentless shitheads and and, and like i will emphasize like i will say like i kind of felt dirty after watching like just kind of felt like uh that was a movie. Yeah, we watched that. But then we also watched a better movie last night. Yeah, we watched a better movie. Maybe last night you mean... Uh, or the what was it the night before? On Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, see, time is fake in a flat circle, and I can't perceive it. Uh, yeah, but, but Joe, Ken, and I, we watched uh, a, a 90s classic starring Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, Speed. Hey, Speed. I've never seen it. Yeah, so in case you don't know, it's about a mad bomber who uh, attaches a bomb to the underside of a bus. Yeah, and they have to keep it above Above 50 miles per hour or else the bus will explode. And it was a lot of fun, actually. Like, you know, hearing, like, the fucking stories for years about movie stuff and stupid. Like, yeah, it's a dumb, stupid action movie, but it fucking rocks. Like, there's, like, some genuinely fun bit. And let me tell you, that fucking soundtrack is straight Metal Gear Solid. Like, no lie. Like, it is, it is, like, it is just Metal Gear Solid music. Because it came out four years, four years before Metal Gear Solid. And, like, Hideo Kojima just, like, hired that dude. Because it sounds just like Metal Gear. We had a really fun time watching it. it yeah, it was, you know, I was expecting to have, like, you know, because, I mean, people really, you know, hold it in regard, especially in action movie circles. And it was just, like... You know, this was always one I, you know, wanted to see and finally got a chance to. And I was pleasantly surprised. I gave it a four and a half. I thought it was fun. I mean, I gave it four, too. Like, it's, I was, like, not, like, in an ironic way, like, oh, this is some silly shit. I'll 
rank it because it's crazy. Like, I thought it was a really solid movie. And, like, you know, of course, you know, the whole crazy gimmick and there's a bomb on a bus and gonna explode. But, like, it was a genuinely fun. And just to see, like, all the harrowing scenes where they're trying to, like, dodge street traffic, you know, do some Dukes of Hazard shit. And then, <laughs> and, you know, baby Keanu, you know, just doing shit. Yeah. I will say, as far as, like, acting-wise, he even though he is the lead star, there were a couple times I was like, but, like, I mean, it was still, like, fun. It's weird seeing, like, highly, like, hyper-macho, aggressive Keanu. Especially when, when what we know Keanu to be today. He's very, like, very chill, relaxed, you know. Yeah, very, like, centered. But, like, this guy is just, he, he's he's a cop who doesn't like to play by the rules. Hey, guys, what do you like, what yeah. do you commandeer that one dude's, like, car to catch up with the bus? Okay, that guy did not deserve any of the shit he got. <laughs> Fucking, like, I know there's a bomb crisis, Keanu, but you steal the man's car. You you basically steal his phone and then cause him to have, like, a catastrophic wreck. And then the that guy's just never in the movie again. I'm just like, like wow. Because he was, like, right, because, like, Keanu, like, commandeers his vehicle. That's this uh, guy is, like, he has a Jaguar. And he's like, I'm taking over this car. I'm a cop. It's like, whoa, 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 man. He's like, because it's a black guy, and he's like, really, man, you're going to get me out of my car? And he, he hops in the Jaguar, and kind of just, like, flying through traffic, zips up and around, and then he's trying to catch with, with the bus, and then he's like, hey, man, are you insured? Like, well, yeah. And so, like, he hits the brake, and, and he throws open the, the driver's side door, smashes the door off by hitting, like, another car or something, and then he jumps, and kind of jumps from the Jaguar into the bus, and the dude is left in the car, and he's like, what the fuck? And then he crashes into, like, the water barrels. Water is everywhere. He's just like, god damn. And apparently that same guy shows up in the second movie, Speed 2 Cruise Control, on a boat. And it's the same bit. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Uh, but, yeah, it's a it's a fucking hoot and a holler. Uh, definitely, if you haven't seen uh, Speed, AYCH recommends. I mean, it is Die Hard on a Bus. A legacy sequel <laughs> to fucking Speed, but it's just latter-day Keanu now with the long hair and the beard. It must just seem like early Keanu and latter-day Keanu, just like two different men, and it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And plus, like, the movie's all practical. Oh, yeah. All the vehicular stunts. All the explosions, like, it's all done, like, in-camera, like, effects. It's like, wow, none of this would be real in, in today's age. Oh, no. Which, you know, kind of sad, but, like, and, <laughs> and plus also how they get the bad guy in is pretty fucking funny. Oh. How they take him out. Yeah, that, that, that was a good bit. We're not going to spoil that here. Yeah, definitely uh, uh, keep your eye out on that one. So, AYC recommends speed. It's a fucking hit. A certified hoot. Hell yeah, dude. Certified hoot. I guess the only other big movie I saw this week was the Disney Pixar movie Turning Red on uh, Sunday morning. Hell yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic movie. Um, I loved it to pieces. It's, it's just like so achingly adorable and cute. And I'm sorry if you can't connect with this movie. I, I, I don't know. Are you just a... The tax white dude. Just like if you are a nerd in any way, you know what this, what these kids, these girls go through, and it's just like really sweet. Gosh, it's so beautiful and just cute and cuddly. 
and Pixar doing like a, like a, a little bit different style. It's kind of outside of their house style. And, you know, it's very stylized, much in the way that Luca was last year. And, like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just a, a gorgeous movie. Like, super, super funny. And does stuff I would never thought I would see or hear in a, a Pixar movie. Because it's about the little girl who's, like, obsessed with a boy band. And then and uh, one of her friends is like, Yeah, my mom told me to turn off that stripper music I was listening to. Talking about the sync like, boy band that she's listening mm-hmm. to. It's like, stripper in a Disney movie. What? Not really a sport. People kind of in- inferred this from the plot. But, like... The little girl transformed into a red panda is like a metaphor for her starting her period. Mm. But like, there's a whole scene of like the mother getting like maxi pads and stuff to like help her daughter get through, and it's like fucking maxi pads in a Disney movie. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's also strange that we thought that was strange. It's a a part of of life for so many people, and it feels weird that this is. uh, There's a, a an artist I follow on Twitter. She said this is the third movie, and she's seen in her entire life that address like periods as just a normal function that's not just like ew gross sad that it took this i have like a normal reasoned approach to people having periods yeah and literally like half of the fucking earth's population has to deal with it yeah just a really just a warm blanket of a movie like i wanted to watch it again because it was just like so cute and you need to have one like woman director and like asian woman at that to tell this story and that so many people immediately clicked with like you know just having girl characters act like actual kids and and just be like weird and silly and cringy and like like way kids do it felt very sincere and true to life yeah it's easily a, a recommend it's on disney plus you know anybody can watch it and like it's very comfortably like a top 10 for me of the year right now hell yeah that makes me happy because i really want to see it and um, I've been seeing nothing but good things either, except except for one fucker's review. Um, it's so funny that you say that you, whoever just doesn't like it just is what a, a frustrated white guy or something. And and this review, I was like, I was like, dude, come fucking on. He was like, I'm just holding Pixar to the same standard that they've that they've had with their excellent movies over the past, you know, however many years or whatever. Like, this is a childish movie that doesn't do anything to be able to connect with both kids and adults. It's just childish. It has it just the the blah blah blah, blah you know, like there's just nothing, no value, uh, no barely little value to it. Um, you know, it's just the char- the main character is obnoxious. There's just nothing co- to connect with or what have you. Blah blah blah. I don't. It's it's fucking stupid. Uh, I won't say I, who I they got are. One question for this motherfucker: Does he not realize Cars Two exists? Yeah, because like literally, <coughs> motherfuckers calling him out. Like, really, are you saying that movies about fucking cars and fish are more relatable than like this nerdy little girl growing up and like doing? silly stuff and hanging out with her friends like are you really trying to say that that but i mean for some people it's like that other experience is just so alien to them and because here's my thing is that what what i've been seeing her or being said about this film is that like you know again it addresses something that has been that is still very hard for some reason to address and that is you know getting your period and having to deal with that and then also too i've seen so many uh women or, or people who identify as women 
say that they felt seen like watching this they like they saw themselves in this film and i think that's something important as well and then this fucker two and a half star review i'll read it to you so he says that he understands that he's in the minority but for his taste he found this movie to be incredibly overrated and overhyped relative to the universal love and adoration that it's been receiving i've seen a lot of reviews declare this film to be vastly different from unique unique from other pixar projects but i disagree the plot is surface level analysis or it at its surface level analysis it's at its core it's just another fish out of water storyline packed with a cliche just be yourself theme the and he uses this analogy the car has a different coat of paint but the engine is nonetheless the same he, he thought the protagonist was obnoxious in her presentation and just unpleasant to watch um he said children will find enjoyment for this but this is but this is being made for kids in his eye isn't a valid excuse to give a mediocre movie a passing grade. Pixar has unequivocally demonstrated that they are capable of crafting exceptional works of art that cater to an audience of both kids and adults. I am merely holding them to the same standard for which they've been held themselves uh, okay, for the like, past 25 like years. Like I said, like, Pixar, this, like, like, hypothetically, if this movie was not that great, like, this isn't the first, this wouldn't be the first Pixar misstep. misstep. Like I said, there's Cars 2. Planes. Planes. I don't know if that's even... That, that might have been like a Pixar like D team who did Planes. And then there's a second Planes, too. We need Dane Cook as a plane again. <laughs> the Good Dinosaur. I'm sorry, that movie was bad. Just like actively terrible. And, and, and people are going to act like this movie is somehow worse than that. I mean, I haven't seen it, but like I, I trust literally... Like from everyone I trust... Everyone say, "Oh, this movie's cute and adorable, and you should watch it." Like, I, I like y'all are gonna love it. Like, it's no way around it. And plus, like, the, there's this whole other side of it that, like, it's not only women seen, you know, being seen in this capacity. Like, oh, this like this function that they had to experience, you know, going through this change to this experience. And then you know, there's this like this huge prominent movie with a with an Asian lead, and like this, it's an Asian story told by an Asian person. So, like, there's an extra level of lived authenticity to it. Other than, you know, like, a white person telling a story and, like, putting, like, a, the, like a coat of paint on it to, like, to make it, oh, like, this is a POC story. And it, is, it just, it really just comes across, like, how lived this is. And, like, sort of, sort of the unique challenge. Yeah, a little bit of a hiccup there with our recording uh, system, but that's okay. Uh, basically, Turning Red is, is a is a great story, uh, an Asian story told from an Asian perspective, and just this cute, sweet, adorable, endearing way. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who who won't at least enjoy it in some capacity. It's it's like I said, easily one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And anybody here listening to any, you know, Joe and Wenzel, I think y'all get a, a big kick out of it too. So definitely, AYC recommends. Turning red. Yeah. Yeah. One more movie that I have to I haven't seen yet. It's still upcoming, but y'all are gonna have to bear with me when this shit hits the fan because Shin Ultraman had had a new poster drop the other day for coming out in Japan May thirteenth. And like, hell yeah, a buddy is excited for this because Hideki Yano, creator of Evangelion, is putting his sort of stamp and his vision on the series that inspired him to become a filmmaker and to make Evangelion, Ultraman. And, and I mean, it's been like something that it's like low key buzzing about. And now we're just getting so much closer to it after being delayed and 
reshuffled so many times due to COVID. And I really can't wait to see like this vision of Ultraman, considering that I I I really did enjoy uh, Shin Godzilla. It's not I wouldn't say it's my favorite Godzilla, but I really appreciate that version of it. And I mean, I know that's kind of sacrilege in the kaiju community. Like, like Shin Godzilla is just like a superlative, perfect movie that cannot be touched. It's a great movie. I appreciate what it what it says, and not quite appreciate how it's being said. Just like it's a very ponderous pace, and I know that's deliberate. That's more of a me thing, not the movie thing. But I'm still very excited for Shin Ultraman. Although there does seem to be a bit of a crime committed against Ultraman in this movie, because when that poster was dropped, it's like, damn, Ultraman is just a flat bat with a crack. He got no <laughs> ass, man. Man, no ass. When I saw that poster, I was like, I was like, man, I should, I need to say something, but I don't know what, I don't know where to start. Like, like, man, it, it's just that really. That's it. That's all I had to say is like, no, just no, no ass. Like, dude, come on. You can't do him like that. My theory has been running around in my head. It's like, what, what is the deal? The absolute conspiracy. Why does Ultraman not have a donk? And I'm thinking either he sacrifices his ass for mankind in a very Christ-like way, or he's like, pulls some broccoli shit, drops his cheeks, and he's just zooming. <laughs> just like, boom, boom. He just flies out. <laughs> and just, just start whooping the shit out of like these kaiju in space. Hell yes. The cheeks weigh me down, man. <laughs> the power of these cheeks. It's like, I can't, I, I can't, he can't sneak, sneak up on Kaiju because the clap of his ass would give him away. I can't wait to see the, to see the image you have for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on in this one, let me tell you. Oh, man. I was, I, yeah, the, no, the poster was awesome. It's just, the first thing, the first thing I gravitated towards was like, all right, all right, does this, is he cheeked up? Is he cheeked up? No, he's not. What the hell is going on? Is there, is this a, is this the wrong poster? Nope, this is the right poster. What's going, I'm in, this is an emergency. You know what this feels like? You, you, you remember MF Doom, you yeah. know, uh, like his concerts was notorious for not showing up and sending what he called Doom bots out. Yeah. This just, I, I just think this Ultraman is a Doom bot. It's not the real Ultraman. <laughs> Even though she and Ultraman means true Ultraman. No. See, see, it's ironic. And Hideaki Yano's scarred brain is just like, the real Ultraman, he don't got cake. No, that's dumb, though. Ultraman should have cake. Ultraman, muscular, like, they have to be training those glutes. Because every time you see Ultraman, before he flies away, he squats down and he jumps up. Swatch, and he jumps up into space. I mean, Ben Friaria, he he was in that fucking scuba suit in the hot of summer in the dead of winter, and you know he you know he made damn sure that you saw his cake back in the sixties. Yep, yep, yep. But anyway, I'm very excited to see Ultraman on the big screen, and considering how much localization Ultraman has gotten over the last couple of years, like just steady stream of like series released on blu-ray from the classic show era to the modern era and all this stuff in between i feel like at the very least we have to get a home release and like fingers crossed we get a theatrical release fingers crossed fingers crossed i'm geared and ready for uh ultra may uh man may's, may's gonna be big in a lot of different ways not just for ultra man's uh theatrical release but also 
certain something special happens in May too. Oh yeah, very much so. I don't know. I don't know. Ultra May though. That sounds Ultra good. May. Sounds good. Ah, fuck. No, if we didn't already have so much planned in May, like I would fucking do Ultra May. Don't go fucking tip me. I'm gonna fucking work myself to the bone to get everything ready. But <laughs> man, that'd be so. Yeah, man. If only, if only something didn't happen in May. You know, it should happen in June. Uh, yeah, but we'll see how much we burned a candle on both ends. Uh, <laughs> but we'll put a pin in that and come back to it later. But our, our last little bit of movie talk is that we have a double feature planned for. The weekend of the recording, by the time this episode comes out, we've already experienced it. Uh, but the, the glad we're going out to go see Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, a prequel story to the Jujutsu Kaisen series, and X, which is a new horror movie released by A24. Excited. So freaking excited, man. It's been a while since I've done a double feature, and it's of two movies that I'm like, like, okay, I've been, I've been wanting to see J.J. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It's been out for a while in Japan, and we finally, this is Christmas, I think, or December, whatever. So, finally get it. Pretty good turnaround. I'm so excited. I've heard great things about it, and it has one of my favorite characters. It's his story, Akatsu. You know, it's canon, obviously. It, it takes everything from Volume Zero, so, um, so I'm so freaking excited. And, um, and then we got X, or X, yes. I almost thought it was something else. Uh, looks to be, like, stellar. I've heard good things about it as well. It's, like, a homage to, like, 70s, like, slasher. Um, for those who don't know, it's about um, a film crew, an amateur film crew who go, who, they want to make a, they want to make a porno. So they, they go to, a, um, they, they want to stay, like, a, over a little bit at this farmer's, like, house farmhouse property and they don't but they don't tell the um the couple there or the the farmers there that they're going to be filming it in their um their farm on their farm uh, they just say they're a film crew and and it kind of just gets crazy a lot of the trailers say like the old man is like my wife she's kind of she's not well this only happens at night or whatever and it seems like sh- stuff gets crazy. I'm really excited because, like, I've heard a lot of good buzz out of, coming out of it from South by Southwest, and they said it's like it's just gory, completely surreal and insane. Also, really funny. It's like just and but just from like the visuals alone, like big nods to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which you know probably a sight better than the one that came out on fucking Netflix. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, probably. I haven't watched any Jujutsu Kaisen since like our big like marathon day last year, and I just remember just being like not knowing who anybody's people's these names names were, and like honestly, I don't remember anybody's names now because I got them all in one day. It's like I know every one of these bitches, and then like two weeks later, I'm like I know nobody's name anymore. But like I just like oh that's the weapons girl, that's the the mute guy, that's the panda bear. Just like calling to mind all the people from the original show, and this being like a prequel series, and so just a little refresher for you, um, like you said, the weapons girl. This is um, so this takes place a year before the story. Um, so you're looking at first years at this moment. First years are Maki Zenin. She's the girl. She has no 
curse energy whatsoever. So she can't use any curse techniques, nor can she see curses. So she has to rely solely on weapons. And then there is, um, holy fucking shit, I forgot his fucking name. (laughs) God damn it. Oh my god. Why can't I remember his name? Hold the phone. Hold on. He's, like you said, he's, um, he's purposefully mute because his curse technique involves, uh, imbuing power into words. Um, oh my god. I'm gonna fucking scream. Unamaki. God damn. (laughs) Unamaki. And then there's Panda. That's it. That's his name, Panda. And they're first years at this time. In the main show, they're second years. So again, this takes place a year before. Gojo is their uh, teacher at this time. And in this iteration, he's wearing bandages over his eyes. Um, Gonna go and tell you, there's no really story reason for that. It was literally easier for uh, Akitame to draw. um, Well, it wasn't easier, sorry. Uh, At the time, he did bandages, but then it became easier for him to draw a blindfold and for the insistence. So they went to they went to a blindfold um they just put bandages on them i that's it anyway um so yeah and akatsu is a uh, first year who like you said he's um he's been acknowledged by gojo as being one of the most powerful um sorcerers in this era currently and possibly or students but can quite possibly surpass Gojo himself, which if you know, Gojo is super fucking powerful. So yeah, so that says a lot too. And um, Akatsu is, uh, well, you know, you'll you'll find out more about his character in the movie. And um, I don't know quite else what to say. That's probably all you need to know. Um, there, you're you're looking at your main antagonist, which is Ghetto. Um, Ghetto is um, he's a former. Jiu-Jitsu Academy sorcerer or whatever and now he's a um he's an evil sorcerer in the show we see him working with evil spirits and um in this that takes place before that so you'll find out more when you watch the movie I'm so excited um oh and also this takes place uh you'll get to see um it's mentioned in the show uh night of a hundred demons or night of a thousand demons or whatsoever or something it's a big event within um jujutsu kaisen that you don't get to see literally until volume zero and you get to see it in this movie so yeah we see a lot of reoccurring characters and plus just like it's always kind of fun to see an anime movie in theater because like one you usually don't think you're gonna get one at least where we live but i remember when we was gonna see demon train for demon slayer it was a it was a packed house, and like when the Broly movie for Dragon Ball Super came out, packed house. It's like, hey, the weebs are strong around here. Don't you forget it? Yeah, no, that's why I, that's why I'm like, damn, we probably have to get there early. At least one group does to like secure spots because these fucking nerds suck. I mean, I mean, I think it's gonna be a good day. Just like double feature on a Friday, get hyped up for the weekend. So I think I think we have a good time because Wenzel is going to be selling that day, and then we're going to have a St. Patrick's Day party that night, and you know it's a, it's a good way to start the weekend, and we'll have all this like vim and vigor in this episode because Monday morning we'll just be completely just serotonin deprived from just like three days of just fuckery. Yeah. So, but I, it'll be it'll be fun. Be like, oh yeah, that that was back when we had energy and we we weren't just running for three days straight. I think it's a good time. And I hope you had a good time listening to this episode. It's uh, all up and down from uh, our personal experiences to, like, the fucking cinematic excursion that was Medea and all the other flicks in between. So we hope you enjoyed yourself because we sure had a good time talking about it. 
So to wrap up, thank you for listening. You can follow us wherever podcasts are found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast. We're probably there. So go out, like, rate, and support on all those platforms. Helps us out, keeps us visible, puts us in front of new people. We always appreciate you when you do it. Go follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast and on Letterboxd at all you can hear. If you're listening to this to the week it comes out on Thursday, you can look forward to a brand new episode of Cajun Greatness for the Cage Crew with a special guest in tow talk about the documentary movie The Death of Superman Lives, which is sort of a, a breaking down of the completely clusterfuck production that was the Nicolas Cage Superman movie. And uh, it's been something we've been looking forward to a long time, and there's a lot of really interesting stories. And just see, like, what the context was to all those crazy pictures of, of Nicolas Cage and long, stringy hair and a big jacked-up see-through Superman suit. And also, uh, when you ha- if you have a chance, go back and check out our last episode, episode 254, which is our volume zero of a new long form series we're doing called movies from every year that we lived each of us take a movie from a year of our lives that we have not seen and just make a big list for a communal viewing later on in the year as the show goes on and um, one last thing be sure to uh reach out to us on our socials about our upcoming march madness uh, bracket tell us what your top five movies of the 1990s where so we can compile them all together for a huge big bracket reveal next week so be sure to check that out and lastly follow me patrick on twitter instagram and letterboxd john lost his name uh my name is jojo you can follow me on twitter at j-o-n-i-i-b-o-i-24 and john owns on 12 on letterboxd uh thank you for listening i'm winzel you can follow me on twitter at winz wilkie you can follow my art instagram at world of Wednesday, and you can go follow my goodreads and my letterbox they are in my link tree to the links to those um where i am actually reviewing books and i'm trying to do that for movies as well um yeah and uh hopefully by the time that this comes out i would have sold everything i brought and Quite possibly, we'll open back a store up and we'll sell um, prints of stuff that if they sold well, I'll sell them on there. So, yeah, look out for that. All right. Stay tuned for that, everybody, and have a good time and have a good night. Take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm.